Hey, everybody, welcome in. It's The Wrap on NRM Streamcast. We're live from the Jim Reels friendly Chrysler Jeep Studios in Farmington. Tom Mazzaway, Clarence Black, Ethan Perlman joins us today. And uh, uh, good conversation before. And we forgot to mention, uh, what was the other school that dropped uh, a Fer- sport? Furman. Furman dropped baseball and lacrosse as well. They're not a MAC school, but no. of the Southern Conference. So a lot of schools starting to look back at this. And, you know, it's, it's sad and... Uh, I don't know where to go from here. I just think baseball belongs uh, in college sports, and I don't understand how you can drop a sport like baseball. And I know people are on lacrosse and gymnastics and all of that. I'm talking the big three here, the big four. It's football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. I'm, that's the big four. Yeah, it's always going to be the big four. Everything after that is, you know, it is what it is. Softball and all the way down. So, welcome back, guys. We want to talk a little bit about. Uh, Sam Smith, who's going to be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. He writes for Bulls.com. You knew him from the Chicago Tribune back in the day. And, of course, he wrote the Jordan Rules and uh, saw him on the first six parts of this Jordan series. How would you like the way it ended, by the way? Uh, I liked it, man. I loved it. You know, I'm not a – I wasn't a huge fan of how the Pistons were treated. Right. We Um, all know that. But I think that it was myth-making. You know, if you you watch them play, it was a great reminder – you know, I I did not really. I never knew. I think like a lot of people, I never knew the flu game was actually the food poisoning game. I know, but we got to talk about that. Um, Jerry Jerry Sloan always intimated that Jordan was faking it. Yeah. You know, and now you know, and I I will say this: having had food poisoning, that you could go play a damn NBA game. Well, I'm like, Ew. well, how about this? There's word out of from that pizza guy. He came out and had an interview in Chicago, and said who his name was. His name is Craig Fight. He worked for Pizza Hut in Utah. He's the guy that cooked this pizza, and he delivered it as well. He was the manager and said he would. It was a perfect pizza. It was not poisoned. You can't get poisoned from putting the, a a, um, a pizza in an oven, a thousand degree so oven. The, my issue with this whole story starts with this. And man. he said it, he was an it, MJ fan. Well, typically when people order, you don't know who it's going to. Yeah, like they and, knew that. But if you were like, hey, I want you to deliver this pizza to, I mean, you even might even have it delivered to the hotel lobby and you pick it up. But like this whole come to the room, oh, it's for Michael Jordan, make it. Like, come on, man. I, I, some of that stuff, I was just, it was a little far fetched. Well, there's, there's a lot more to it. We have our guest on the phone. We don't want to keep him waiting. Thank you so much for coming on. It's Sam Smith, writer of the Jordan Rules, of course, longtime Bulls writer for the Tribune, and now he writes for. Bulls.com. Mr. Smith, welcome to the show. Tom Mazaway, Clarence Black, and uh, our good friend Ethan here. How are you, Sam? Yeah, I'm good. Here's, here's, the other, here's the other question that you guys didn't answer. Who the heck offers, orders pizza in Salt Lake City? <laughs> he was desperate. Hey, if it's a Pizza Hut, it's supposed to be a Pizza Hut pizza. I mean, they're not the greatest things in the world, but when you order a Pizza Hut pizza, it's got to be, you know, it's the same in any state, don't you think? <laughs> Oh, you, you guys are right. It was a complete. It was a. It was a complete fraudulent story. Unbelievable. But, you know, yeah. No. It was. I mean. I mean. It's so ludicrous on the basis of it. Of course, it was only Michael and his his helper. You know, telling it. His, yep. His employee. But it, you know, it was a complete fabrication. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Smith. See, he said what I. At least one of the least true. I mean, it was so stupid on the face of it. I was laughing watching the thing at the time. You know, the Sunday on TV, you know, that they, they made, you know, I mean, I know in Americans, you know, we, we love 
now the country is all about making up conspiracies anyway. Yeah. You know, there's an old there's a there's an old Mark Twain line about you know uh, a lie will make its a lie it's make, will make its way around the world before a truth gets its boots on. <laughs> and you know, so we like we like to believe the lies and the conspiracies and all that stuff. But this notion of yeah, all these guys are going to come up and Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, he was the most mysterious guy in the world. You never knew where he was or anything, and all of a sudden, Pizza Hut knew where he was. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Sam Smith joins us from Chicago, author of uh, The uh, Jordan Rules. And I wanted to ask you about The Jordan Rules here in Detroit, of course. We had our own Jordan Rules, and as you know it, you know it well. And they were 3-1 and one against Michael Jordan, uh, our Detroit Pistons here. What would you, what'd you take from that era of basketball, Sam? It was the greatest rivalry in the, to me in the history of the game. Um, you know, there were more famous rivalries, the Celtics and Pistons, I mean Celtics uh, and Lakers, obviously, you know, because of uh, early on Russell and, you know, all that, West and Baylor, and then later on, you know, Magic and Bird, which, you know, most of the NBA believes, fans believe, at least that's when the league started. But that Pistons-Bulls rivalry, uh, the intensity of it, uh, the feelings to this day, which you know you've seen carried out still, still by Jordan um, and us. And, 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 yeah, it was my favorite games ever to go to. I, I mean, I I grew up in New York. I saw Will play, and I saw Russell and Oscar and all those guys. And there was there was nothing like attending those, those games. Those, those those were incredible. And and you know, you know I, I know Isaiah well from growing, you know, him growing up in Chicago yep. and being around here a lot. You know, he's in Chicago all the time. Michael never, Michael hasn't been in Chicago since 1998, I don't think. Uh, I think one day he's been here or something. You know, Isaiah's always here um, and comes back, you know, does a lot of charity work, you know, does marches, you know, in neighborhoods, uh, peace marches involved in. You know, so he's a great citizen of Chicago and, of course, you know, is because because of Jordan's success is not celebrated that way, but you could also see, you know, in Jordan's case, the the bitterness toward Thomas because Thomas Thomas was the only one who beat him. Nobody else beat him. You know, Magic didn't beat him, and you know, Bird early on, but you know, they they really never played against the Celtics much. You know, once Jordan got going, um, but you know, all those other guys in the nineties, Ewing and Barkley and Malone or whoever. You know, he could dominate everybody, but he couldn't dominate Isaiah. And it, and you can see it bothers him to this day. Oh, that's so funny. Sam Smith joins us, the Jordan rules. Go ahead, Clarence. And Sam, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Isaiah because, you know, he, he's intimated – you know, and, and same thing kind of with Aguirre and Hardaway. They had the little All Star roundtable, um, you know, on on the NBA uh, the NBA Network. That you know, those guys are Chicago. Isaiah Thomas was a was a college graduate and two time NBA champion before Jordan. You know, had, had essentially done anything in the city, and yet the city just had this this thing. They just they they love Jordan, and I know that 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 really hurt Zeke. What is it? I mean, how how at that time was it that Isaiah lost his own city? Well, it did, and and Isaiah, it was it bothered Isaiah a lot. And I know Isaiah's park on the west side was this Gladys Park where he grew up and played you know basketball. And, and and you know back in that era, guys would guys in the summer and you know when they weren't playing would just go around and play basketball. You know, play pickup games, and Isaiah would come back to his park, his native park. <laughs> where he spent 
you know, his childhood, and, 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 and people would be taunting him there. Oh, you're no good. I mean, you're no Michael. Michael will kick your butt. <laughs> and so, it, you know, it really, I mean, it, it further fueled the rivalry in those games, because even in that, in that era, Oh, Jordan had just come into the NBA and then captivated Chicago. But, you know, the people are about not, not only, you know, parochialism, about, you know, yourself and, you know, supporting your country, whatever, right or wrong, um, you know, but also about, you know, winning. And, and you know, when it, when it got to Chicago, like Detroit, well, you know, you know uh, they're not cities with, with great sports histories as far as success, you know, compared to New York or Boston, uh, some other places that have these dynasty kind of teams. And so, you know, Chicago, you know, we had the, we're still celebrating the one Bears championship, you know, for 35 years later. Um, and the Cubs with, a, you know, 100 years and all this stuff. So here's this Bulls thing gets going. And, it, you know, Chicago becomes the center of the world in sports because of this team and this guy. And so you understand that, you know, the community uh, outreach to him. And, you know, and he, he turned Isaiah, you know, in part because of the, the rivalry into a villain uh, in the system. So, you know, I think, I think personally it was, a, it was a great frustration and disappointment to Isaiah. But it's hard to fight, you know, it's hard to fight that avalanche coming down the hill. Hey, Sam, you wrote today about it. You wrote so great on Twitter, by the way. Please follow Sam Smith. Uh, great story on, of course, the last minute of that Bulls and Jazz game. They call it some of the, the greatest one minute in basketball. I, I think they forgot about Reggie Miller against the Knicks, but we'll, we'll, I digress on that one. Tell us a little bit about that last minute against the Jazz. That Jazz team, they could have won that series. They could have won both series. Yeah, and if they, if, if, if they hadn't finished off that game, especially that year, especially if they hadn't finished off that game with you know, Pippen really, uh, you know, was having back problems and, and had surgery, had back surgery yeah. after that season. Um, you know, going, given the fact that he wanted to play the next season, he, he had the surgery right away as opposed to the last season before that. But it even surpassed Reggie's 8.9 seconds, and I think the point of it was, because it, it showed the extent of the versatility of Jordan, you know, because he makes, he makes two free throws, two clutch free throws, which, which, you know, you've seen a lot of, and, you know, LeBron, they have the debate, but, you know, one thing about LeBron, I like LeBron, but, you know, he doesn't want to go to the line at the end of the game. <laughs> he doesn't like shooting those, you know, Jackson's, you know, there's some guys that don't like when everything stops and there's pressures on them for that shot. <laughs> and so he makes, you know, he makes free throws, uh, Stockton, Stockton makes a three to put him ahead, and he scores right away. You know, he takes no time on the clock. He scores, you know, he just drives off. The, and, and, the, and the thing is, he realizes, he knows from the previous year that Stockton came off Kerr, yep. uh, and that Kerr made that shot to win the last game and win that series. So he knows Stockton's got to stick to Kerr. So he knows he's got a wide-open lane, and he drives in for the quick basket because Stockton, and he goes to Kerr's side of the floor. Because Stockton can't come off Kerr, and they go down the other way, and he recognizes he knows the Jazz plays, and the Bulls are double teaming from the top. So instead of double teaming from the top, he comes along the baseline behind Malone before Malone's got a chance to realize, you know, the, the, where where Hornacek is coming around on the baseline to get open for the three, like Stockton did previously, strips the ball, doesn't call timeout, so he knows that the Jazz can't set. Gets up against 
you know, Brian Russell, he doesn't push off, despite, you know, the generally accepted in some cases. Right. You know, and makes that shot because he spread the court. He's got the court spread because he knows now they got to be with the shooter. So, so it demonstrated all this offense, defense, intelligence, IQ, anticipation. You know, it was everything that really made Jordan, plus the competitiveness under pressure, you know, over these years that came in display in this one minute, really, when they've got to get it. And, and if you nobody knows, there wasn't a single other ball touched the ball and did anything in that yeah. last, in those last five plays, basically. You know, he did absolutely everything. Yep. Offense, defense, called the play. You know, just dominated, you know, and, and, and ended up winning, you know, winning the game when it probably would have been an underdog for game seven without Pippen. Sam Smith joins us. He's at thebulls.com, wrote 30 years for the Chicago Tribune, author of plenty of books, but the Jordan rules are what we're talking about today. You can follow him at Sam Smith Hoops on Twitter. Now, do they win their seventh if they had a chance to? Your guess. No, that was that, that was another one of Michael's based on a true story thing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know, you know, I know, I know to wrap up, you know, to wrap up the thing and get the last dance, and, and they started out saying, "It's Gary Kraft stupidly said, and he yeah. stupidly said a lot of things." You know, it feels eighty-two and oh, he's not coming back. Right. You know, it was just uh, Kraft just knew Phil had told the, the owner that summer he wasn't coming back no matter what. So Kraft. Never, never in his life being, had said the politically correct thing or knowing what to say at the right time, have it out the wrong thing. Um, but Michael made it clear, and I and I believe knew it from coming in, that he saw you know all the elements around him, and he, he said you know in a couple of these things in the earlier episodes he said it to a mod, oh I've had enough and you know I I you know, I can't carry this anymore and all that sort of stuff, and you could see. In his mind, that he 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 knew, you know, Pippen had gone up to, you know, had been estranged with the organization to the point, you know, where he basically went on strike for the first half of the season by by postponing his surgery. You know, Rodman, you know, with the vacations, he was going to Vegas. I think he'd gotten a, a technical literally in every game in the '97 playoffs to the point where I don't know if you remember that playoff. They were bringing him off the bench because. He was getting so many technicals, they were afraid he was going to get thrown out of the, all these games. Ugh. And so they were trying to limit his play some, and he wasn't even starting a lot of those games. So, And he saw this thing coming apart. He, he knew other guys were going to get deals. Luke Longley ended up getting like a six-year contract, you know, which was a disaster for it was. the uh, Suns and then the Knicks when they traded him, and he, you know, barely played. So he knew all this, but, you know, a typical Michael. What an opportunity to, uh, to use this as a motivating force going forward. And so, uh, you know, then he, then he wants to wrap up the story and says, oh, yeah, I wanted to come back. He he, he could have come back. Who's going to tell Michael Jordan he can't come back? Right. He didn't want to come back and not win. That's that's the that's the problem. He didn't want to come back and not have a chance to win. How about the first time he retired from the game and went and played baseball? What's your take on that? What's the, what's the real story? Well, if, if you really look at who broke up the Bulls? That was that was the only time they had a chance to win an extra title, and they and they and they you know have a, had a good chance because Pippen and Grant are are, are you know are in, are in their uh, former departs of their careers, their highlights, and 
you know, he was there. So that 93, you know, 93, 94 season, I, I think the, the documentary did tell that one as accurately as it could. You know, he was getting burned out. All the gambling stuff was, you know, coming to a fore. Uh, everywhere he went, he was being asked about this. He was, you know, uh, and then the other element of this, you know, to give him the credit, he always did play at this incredible level. He never missed games. I mean, he went three and a half years when he came back in 95 and never missed a game. I mean, it's amazing compared to what goes on now at low management. And, you know, guys taking vacations in the middle of the season and stuff. <laughs> and, and he, he never, you know, he, he never wanted to not play. And, but that takes a toll on you. Yeah. And, and then, he, he, you know, so he, he is thinking that season. He's, he was, t- I knew that season. I'd heard players tell me, they would say, you know, he's talking about being done. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, he's just burned out. He'll be fine after the summer. And, and then when his father got murdered, I, 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 he clearly was a, you know, a huge, uh, you know, a, a, a huge undertaking for him. He and his dad were really close. They did a lot of stuff together. You can see his father was around as a, as a buddy more. And um, the NBA, like David Stern and Brian McIntyre, to a number of people, hey, they're not pushing out. David Stern was the greatest capitalist in the history of sports. Uh, he wasn't pushing out his greatest earner. And just as a sidebar to that, you know, when all the gambling stuff came up, we, the Chicago Tribune, we, we did an investigation. We went down and talked to all these people and these gambling games and all that sort of stuff. And then we'd say to them, each one, Slim Buller, or, you know, of course you're going to have a character like that. It's going to be in something like <laughs> of course. that. And we'd say, well, what did the NBA investigators ask you? And they'd all say, well, we didn't talk to anyone from the NBA. Oh I mean, they didn't, the NBA didn't go to interview anybody. They, they didn't, didn't want to hear us. Of course. They didn't Whether care. Jordan did something or not, they didn't want to know it. We're talking with the legendary Sam Smith here on The Wrap. Sam, I got to ask you because the thing that jumps out at me, so two things. First, Jerry Krause, you know, no, he can't speak from the grave, so there was no one to defend him. But two, Jerry Reinsdorf gets a – an unbelievable pass in this entire thing. They almost make him appear to just be the the check cutting, disinterested. Ah, I'm gonna let Jerry handle it. Owner, I, how much of that was actually true, and how much of a pass did he get in this whole thing? Well, I don't know if he got a pass because at the end, Michael blamed him for breaking <laughs> up the dynasty. Claimed he would have come back, which I don't believe. Uh, and, and the other part of it is. You know, he physically couldn't have, uh, you know, you could say, well, he'd have been, he'd have been more careful or whatever. But he, 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 he cut his finger badly on a, on a cigar cutter during that uh, lockout period before they came back to play in February. And he had to have surgery, and he couldn't, he couldn't, grip, a, couldn't grip a basketball, and he couldn't shoot with his right hand. So he wasn't coming back anyway. You know, obviously it was after the fact. That, but it really wasn't after the fact because, you know, because of the lockout, they couldn't talk to any of the other players. So, they were, you know, they, they, I mean, in theory, they could have given them all deals or whatever. They weren't. They weren't going to, but all, all the players weren't going to accept them because, you know, Jordan was looking at it one year at a time. Everybody else was getting long-term deals. They weren't going to give up, the, you know, the future, the one chance they had to cash in so they could hang around and be insulted by Michael Jordan for another <laughs> year. Uh, but the other part of it is, you know, Reinsdorf, the way I think the way he looked at it, you know, a lot like Bill Davidson. 
you know, the, the, the thing is working. You know, I got you know, there's some employees that may be upset at time to time, but you know what? I'm the most successful corporation in the world. I'm yep. not firing the CEO. Why should I? You know, Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm making record profits. I'm the most well-known organization. I'm the most successful. Hey, my CEO's a little nuts, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe he alienated some people. But, and, and I, I, you know, no offense to that, but, you know, you, know, you weren't going to make, you weren't going to make personnel decisions based on Michael Jordan's. And, and obviously, basically, you know, his history with Charlotte suggests that's not an expertise of his. Nor, nor was it an ex- expertise of Phil, you know. So, so, hey, the guy had some flaws, Jerry Krause, and look, a lot of us didn't like him, including me. We had a lot of problems with him, but he was succeeding. Hey, Sam, I wanted to ask you about Scottie Pippen. A lot of people ask, you know, is he a top 50 player like people uh, portray him as? Is he a top 50 player without Michael Jordan by his side? You know, probably not to be to be honest. But you know, that's your circumstances dictate a lot. What happened uh, in that draft in '87? Uh, the Bulls traded up from number eight, you know, to number five to get him. Yep. Uh, had had they not, if Seattle had kept the pick and taken Olden Polonese when they did, and he went number six to Sacramento, um, it doesn't matter how great a defender you are in Sacramento. You know, if you're playing great defense, it just means you're going to lose by 15 instead of 25. <laughs> so, no, we probably wouldn't have been. But, right. you know, that's part. Chris Middleton would not be an all-star if he was still with the Pistons instead True. of standing next to Giannis. Yep, excellent. So that's that's the way life works in those things. You're like, not you know, kidding. Longley wouldn't have, wouldn't have got a six-year deal from the Suns in 1999 had he not played, you know, 11 minutes a game starting for the Bulls. horrible deal. So that's the nature of it. But the fact of the matter was, once Scotty got in that position, he he was able to produce. And, uh, and, you know, and on top of that, uh, he he was great with the uh, uh, the Olympics, the Dream Team, and Chuck was a big, I know, was a big advocate of his. And, you know, Scotty was a great talent. But he, he he was in the right place at the right time. Look, if he doesn't have the six titles, he's not being considered one of the top 50 players because, you know, there was no offensive element to it. He right. wasn't a scorer. He wasn't a finisher. wasn't that kind of player. And, we, we, you know, he was he was an all-time role player uh, that fit perfectly with the, with the player and the team he was on. Hey, Sam, last thing before we let you go. Uh, who kept Isaiah off the Dream Team? <laughs> You know, it really was the committee because you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, and you know, and Chuck probably had something to do with that because, look, whatever it said, you know, if Chuck would have made a point and said, "I, I want Isaiah there," he's got to be there, um, you know. But look, I think what happened was Jordan a couple of times had said he wasn't playing in '92, which he wasn't. He, he was, he was tired. You know, two the two championships in a row. He just wanted to get away. He had an Olympic medal from 84, and he had said publicly several times he wasn't playing. Well, you can't have the greatest team ever, dream team, without Michael Jordan. Yeah. So I think uh, what the committee did was fearing that he, he, he had excuses if they, if they included Isaiah, you know, because of the bitterness of the rivalry, that would give Michael an excuse not to play. And so they were trying to clear the, clear the road of as many excuses uh, because the, the last guy they uh, you know got on was Jordan, 
And, you know, when Rod Thorne talked about going to him, he never said anything about keeping. Mike, look, yes, whatever it was, if you looked at that team, Carl Malone was the one who said publicly that Magic Johnson shouldn't be allowed to play because right. he's got HIV. They were on a team together. Yep. So you can't tell me just because he wouldn't get along. And I guarantee you, Michael Jordan didn't spend 10 minutes with John Stockton during that month. <laughs> no doubt. So, no. So Michael would have played with whoever. I think it was just the committee fear and losing him and just doing everything they can to make sure yeah. he was going to be on that team. Hey, Sam, thanks so much for joining us, man. We, we, uh, it's too long. Uh, we'd love to have you on more often. Appreciate it. Keep it all going. And, you know, much success to you. Stay healthy. All right, guys. Good to talk to you. All right. The legendary Sam Smith. That was uh, very fun. Sorry, Ian. Uh, I, Ethan, you didn't get a word in there. Oh, it's okay. But it was I, a good I ride I enjoyed the you. conversation. Yeah, I told you how I felt, man. You don't make yeah. that, that. That committee does not make that decision without consulting the two captains. Yep. Magic and Burr, both of which Isaiah had beef with. At that time, yeah. Him and, by that point, he and Magic weren't good, and him and Larry Bird have never been. You know what I took mostly out of that? Uh, would Scotty have been the same player had he been drafted, obviously, by Sacramento? No. That brings me to our own poor Matthew Stafford. Okay? If any other freaking team took this guy, he'd probably have been in a couple yeah, of playoffs man, already. You, you and maybe say been that in about Super so many. But I'm yeah, saying, you just, you but I'm just get, talking yeah, here in Detroit. Yeah, Tell me yeah, Matthew absolutely. Stafford doesn't be isn't successful with some other team. It, he is. It, the, it's the beauty. He it's is. the beauty of pro sports, man. Yep. Is where where it's you where start, you where you end up. I mean, yep. think of Brett Favre. You think Atlanta looks and says, "Man, if we could have yep. just held up." Atlanta had at one point had Brett Favre and Deion Sanders. Excuse me. The Jets took Browning Nagel instead of Brett Favre. All right, don't talk to me but when you, about Brett if Favre. I, if I told you right now, I'm going to give you Brett Favre as your quarterback, and oh, you can have Deion Sanders on defense. <laughs> Falcons, baby. Thanks, guys, in the back. Dave and Angel. Thanks to uh, Stevie Mack. Ethan, thanks for coming in, man. Thank you for having me. We'll do it again, all right? Well, sounds good. I know you have more on your mind than uh, what we just gave you a chance for. CB, thanks, man. That was fun. Thanks to Sam Smith. Keep it right here. King and Foster are next on NRM Streamcast.